challenging? Hey everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, my guest today is Dr. Natalie Gentili, and she is a plant-based physician in Pittsburgh, and we're going to get to know her a little bit. I'm meeting her for the first time, and we're going to discover how she healed herself with a whole food plant-based diet. Please welcome her to the show. So nice to meet you. Thank you. Nice to meet you, Chef AJ. Thank you for having me. So Pittsburgh, that's where my family's from. It's the best. I'm a little partial. <laughs> it really is. You know, I actually, believe it or not, if I hadn't met my husband, Charles, when I did, I was all set to go to Carnegie Mellon University. Wow. Right. Down <laughs> I know. And it was a dream of mine because, you know, I, people, people, people don't realize what I really wanted to do was be like in show business, be an actor, comedian kind of thing. And I studied for years and I still studying because I don't know if you ever like perfect your craft. And my acting teacher, Joan Darling, who has been on the show and is going to be on again on her 88th birthday, April 14th, was a professor there. And the thing is, it's like they, I was accepted, but they just delayed and delayed and delayed. And, and like, I had to make a decision, like, do I, do I stay home and like, you know, uh, you know, pursue my, what could be the love of my life or do I, you know, I think I made the right decision. But anyway, I do love Pittsburgh. We were talking before you logged on about uh, Pimonte brothers and there's just, you know, just lots of good memories about Pittsburgh. Lots of my family still lives there. It's really a great city. It really is. It is. Yeah. Happy to be representing Pittsburgh tonight. <laughs> well, there's there's somebody on called the Giroudi family that says Pittsburgh is the best. And oh, so Dr. Well, Gentile. She knows. That Giroudi family knows what they're talking about. Yeah. Thank you, Brittany, for referring this lovely doctor. Okay. So we, we sometimes play a game. We, people don't realize if they don't watch live that we have this whole other show within the show. It's called the Zoomunity. It's the people in the chat that are watching live and I'm interacting with them. And we, we sometimes say, who does this guest look like? You're obviously very beautiful, but I can't figure out, is it Jennifer Connelly? Is it Natalie Portman? So guys in the chat, tell me which famous actress this doctor looks like, or maybe a hybrid. So <laughs> not meaning to embarrass you, of course. Well, I love stories. You know, I know everything today is 60 second TikToks, but that's not who I'm about. I like to dig deep and find out about you, like, because I feel that a person's journey to a whole food plant-based diet is unique and everybody's is different and everybody's is interesting to me. And so that even if I didn't ask you that, but somebody in the chat would like to know how you became a plant-based person and then a plant-based physician. And of course, if people can see you, they're going to want to know that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to share my story. Is it cool if we do a little slideshow I put together? I, I love slideshows. I'm a visual learner. So I pay more attention when there's something on the screen. Okay, awesome. Well, I'll share this because I do want to share my story and how this journey really came about. All right. So can you see that presentation, Chef AJ? And everyone's not yet, but almost. It says it says you started screen sharing. So That's make sure odd. your slides are pulled up. Yeah. See, we practiced it before, guys, but that never is a guarantee. I mean, does that ever actually, you know, happen? It says I can resume my share. So let's try one more time. It all it, it always happens. But I'm I'm just not seeing your slides. So maybe put your make sure your presentation is yep. Perfect. Are we, good? Are we all set? Yeah, I'm seeing the slides on the bottom, but if you need them there, that's perfectly okay. Sorry, this is such a technical thing. It's so funny when you try something initially and then it doesn't work. I'm going to um, try one more time. Okay. okay. I'm used to it by now. Believe me. 
This is people so are fun. saying friendly people in Pittsburgh. Absolutely. I like the way they say yous and yins, you know, yes, guys. Yes. Yeah. I have a really nice thing in my office that has all of the Pittsburgh ease on it for my patients to look at while, while we're doing exams. All right. So I'm going to do this. We good. That is perfect. Dr. Okay, thanks everyone for your patience. So this is my story about how I came about a plant-based lifestyle and how it's really woven into how I personally live my life, how we raise our family, and then how I practice as a physician and the amazing people I get to see day in, day out as patients. So just an overview, um, we will do uh, some discussion here about disordered eating habits. Those words will come up, which can be triggering for some people. So I do wanna give a gentle warning about that. We'll talk about some definitions about these terms. And then we'll also talk about some myths that I've told myself that diet culture has told us, you know, the things that I've seen patients struggling with, and then how a whole foods plant-based lifestyle really helped me get through some of those myths and debunk them. So to start, just some of my background, I'm a mom, very fortunate to have two uh, really cute littles, um, an amazing husband who's a urologic surgeon. He sees a lot of different cancers, actually. Um, I'm a physician, a family medicine and lifestyle medicine board certified doctor. I'm an entrepreneur, which is rare. It's, it's not often you see a physician entrepreneur. Um, and I'm also a survivor. So I'm a survivor of ovarian cancer. Uh, around age 18. I'm also a survivor of disordered eating. But we're all survivors in some, some way, shape, or form, right? Um, so I, I definitely uh, use that term and very proudly. This is some of my background. I went to Mayo Clinic for my family medicine residency out in Rochester, Minnesota, and was on staff there for a couple of years, actually, before we moved back home to Pittsburgh. And I became board certified in both family medicine and then lifestyle medicine. And I'm sure a lot of the community watching today is familiar with lifestyle medicine. Um, but if not, it's this amazing field that's newer. And, and I think that's really interesting, Chef AJ, that it's like a newer thing, you know, to be looking at how our lifestyle habits affect our whole body health, because it's something we've known forever. But now there's an actual field around that. And the board certification in lifestyle medicine really taught me to approach each patient through the lens of how they're moving, how they're eating, how they're sleeping, their social support, their mental health. And that really greatly affects their whole body health. In 2019, I established a direct primary care practice here in Pittsburgh, which means that my patients pay a monthly membership and they have full access to me as their doctor. So I have people that are um, completely uninsured. Um, I have people from all different neighborhoods of the city. I have people who are, you know, fully insured with tons of disposable income and everyone in between. Um, I see anyone and everyone who wants to come through that door and be a part of this practice. And I get to spend time with my patients and have the continuity that they deserve, which really allows me to practice lifestyle medicine as optimally as possible. In 2023, so this year in January, I opened my dream. I've always wanted to be a physician and I always thought that I'd open what I considered in my head a wellness center. Uh, so I opened Rebel Wellness in January and it's a space that's actually right across this wall from my office. And it's a group fitness space, yoga. I teach fitness and yoga. We also have other instructors, but we also have a teaching kitchen. So we have culinary medicine workshops where people can come in and learn wonderful things about food and how to incorporate more fiber into their lifestyle. Um, it's a plant-based teaching kitchen only. So people of all different dietary patterns come 
Um, but then we can learn together. Brittany Giroudi actually was just here this past weekend and did a wonderful workshop on changing up some of your family recipes to be plant-based and how that can still be so delicious. So that's my background. A little bit about my journey. Um, when, honestly, I can't remember exactly what age it was, but I started having body image issues, let's say, when I was young, God, like middle school, probably. Um, I've always been a healthy, normal weight, you know, by, by standards in the medical community. I've always been athletic. Um, I have never had anybody tell me anything bad about myself to me, right? The only critic was me. Um, and I have had body image issues since I can remember. And this eventually led to disordered eating behaviors. And we'll talk a little bit about, you know, definitions wise, but you can have disordered eating and not have an eating disorder. Um, so I started to develop uh, habits where I would, for example, eat after everyone went to bed at night and I would kind of go down to the kitchen and I would binge eat because it would be stuff that I shouldn't be eating, right? Quote, unquote, things I shouldn't eat. Um, and so at that, now that I look back, was binge eating behavior. And that lasted for all of my high school um, life and into my college years as well. I can remember stealing Pop-Tarts from my college roommates, um, like the, stuff, the place where she kept her food. Like I would take them because that's stuff I never was allowed to eat, right? Or shouldn't eat. I had attempts at purging, which could be throwing up, using laxatives. Um, I would weigh myself very, very regularly. I did a lot of food logging on my fitness pal to the point of logging like a banana because I was worried about, you know, caloric intake from that. And I remember distinctly, it was my first year of medical school here at Pitt. And I remember walking down the hill one day and thinking to myself, you aren't courageous enough to throw up your food. And I thought, well, man, that's, that's not a nice way to talk to yourself. You know, like, would you talk to someone you love like that? And that to me was the breaking point. Um, at that point, it, I, it was about 2010, uh, I sought therapy, started to get help with a, with a therapist who helped me through some of that. And when I really broke away those layers of binge eating and disordered eating behaviors, that's when I started to uncover anxiety disorder um, because I was trying to cover it up with food, right? And using food as, as a way to um, not feel those other feelings. A lot of times when people are going through these types of habits and disordered eating habit and behavior, they disconnect from their body. Um, you know, there's, there's like, I don't want to be part of this body. I don't feel comfortable in this body. And I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who maybe have had those thoughts before, couldn't really put a name to it. So, you know, I'm hoping that my journey can, even if it's one person, you know, it gives a name to what they're feeling that you, you know, you're not alone in this. So when that breaking point happened, I started with therapy. I um, went through the rest of med school. My husband and I met in med school. A wonderful life was developing there. And I was starting to feel much better about my uh, eating habits. I went to do my yoga teacher training in Costa Rica, which was awesome. And that whole week, the only food they had down there was actually vegan. It was all plant-based, all cooked there, fresh at the resort. It was beautiful. Um, and I'm thinking, well, what am I going to do? Like, what am I going to eat right now? You know, I have eggs for breakfast every day, most days. Like, what am I going to eat at this retreat? They didn't have chicken breast. They didn't have, okay. I came back from that retreat feeling awesome. I felt so good. And it wasn't just the sunshine, right? It was the food that we were eating, the nourishment. 
Um, and it was the time, the introspective time of practicing yoga, having that time to myself outside of the stressors of med school. When I came home, I thought, well, I'm just going to keep eating like this and see what happens. Um, I watched Forks Over Knives, which I'm sure a lot of people you know, watching today have watched and found very inspiring. And my husband and I, both you know, budding physicians, looked at each other and said, well, we can't unsee this. You know, we can't unlearn this stuff that we're seeing on this documentary. Both of us, I had the personal family or personal history of cancer. My husband has a strong family history of cancer. My husband had a, had a history before um, coming to the United States. Uh, and when he came to the United States from Iran of high cholesterol, high blood pressure, um, excess weight. And these were things that he didn't feel good in his body about. Right. And before that was far long before I met him, but both of us said, you know, with our personal and family histories, this seems like a journey we want to set out on. Um, and that was in 2014. We really began more of a plant-based approach at that time. And say we were more vegetarian, you know, that's how we've started to incorporate it into our life. And, and then our journey shifted to a more whole foods, plant-based uh, lifestyle as time went on when we got through residency, when I had our, you know, we had our children and that's where our journey continues today. So I want to pause and just talk about some definitions because I've used this word disordered eating. Um, and as I said earlier, you can have disordered eating with have, without having a true, what we call eating disorder. Now, as I said, I'm a family doc. I see everyone from newborn on. I see a lot of patients for hour long visits, for example, where we really get to get into things. We really get to spend a lot of time and, and talk about their histories. And I'd say the vast majority of the patients that I see have disordered eating behavior. And I truly believe that that is because it's the norm in our society. It is normalized and therefore it's often unrecognized as problematic. Um, if you think about the traditional uh, healthcare setting, you go into a primary care office, you have seven minutes with a doc, right? And you know they say, all right, you've got high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and you need to lose weight. Uh, go eat better and exercise, bye. So then where does the patient go? right? Where do you go for your information? You go to the internet, you go to social media. Um, that is, tends to be the place where people start to try and consume their health information these days. And unfortunately, that uh, avenue is riddled with diet culture um, in, a, in a negative way. And the wellness industry and diet culture really prey on people not being, uh, I don't know, not feeling good about themselves, I guess is the way I should say it. You know, they prey on trying to help make us think that our bodies are broken. So disordered eating behaviors can come out of that. And disordered eating tends to be these like irregular, inflexible patterns. Often there's restriction involved. Again, it's very underrecognized because it's, it tends to be our norm and what we, what we think is okay. A lot of times there's feelings of morality around food. Like this was, there's a lot of shame. I had a lot of shame when I, you know, would go and eat late after everyone was in bed, I'd have a lot of guilt about it the next morning. There's a lot of morality around your worth um, and your good, bad choices when it comes to food. And these, this is a very broad range of behaviors. So you could have physiologic, AKA bodily complications or consequences, or you could not. You know, a lot of times these things go unrecognized also because you'll have an individual come into a clinic who's totally normal weight, looks quote unquote normal, they may even be technically underweight, but again, that's very much praised in our society. So they must be healthy, right? That's why it goes unaddressed. 
Then you have true eating disorders. These are diagnosed psychiatric conditions in the DSM, um, which is the textbook that has psychiatric conditions listed out with very strict criteria. Those are eating disorders. A lot of times we think of anorexia and binge eating disorders as the most common ones. And these are more likely to have physiologic consequences. So um, many people who have disordered eating are highly likely to develop eating disorders, true eating disorders. Um, and you can become really sick from these. You can be very undernourished. Um, and, and it can be a very dangerous thing to the point of needing hospitalization. This last column is a really interesting word that I've just started hearing more commonly. Um, and it's interesting when you finally have a word to like what you've experienced. And, and it's this word, it's orthorexia. Orthorexia is an obsession with being healthy and having healthy habits. Now, I think we should pause here because being healthy and wanting to be healthy and striving to have healthy habits is not an inherently bad thing, right? That's not something that we need to demonize. However, when that obsession so much starts to affect you to your detriment, maybe it affects you financially, spiritually, relationships, it affects your quality of life. All you can think about all day long is what food is going to be at the party you're going to later, because are they going to have the food that fits your healthy habits? And if not, is that going to derail you completely? Um, there's usually a sense of perfectionism to orthorexia. Um, there's a lot of times comorbid or co-occurring conditions like OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, um, or other disorders like anxiety, high anxiety disorders, um, high stress situations in people's lives can sometimes really kick up orthorexia behaviors. The thing with orthorexia is it is applauded in our society, right? Because you are in, in somewhat of a righteous position if you are having such staunch healthy habits that you don't budge at all. And it might affect your, you behind the scenes, you know, and affect your quality of life, but you stand tall on this mountain and resolute. And that's applauded in our society. In a very high achieving society, that is something we think is a-okay. The thing is orthorexia can develop into an eating disorder not, not, uh, not uncommonly. So some of the myths, I, I said that I was going to bring up some of the myths that, you know, I've told myself, um, or that I hear from diet culture, or that my patients have said have been so challenging for them to really get through and get to a place where they are happy with their bodies again. The first one is food and consequences. So I'm going to eat, if I eat this bad thing, then I need to be punished. If I ate that bad thing, I should be restricted for the rest of the day. Same with good on the flip side. I had good food, so that means I can reward myself with all these cheap foods later. And some, for some people in a camp, they are able to do that and it doesn't cause problems for them, right? They, they maybe say, okay, I ate something that is not in my normal dietary pattern. So maybe I'm not gonna eat lunch after that and then I'll have my usual dinner. But there are a lot of us out there who see that as a point of just restricting completely. I'm not gonna eat anything the rest of the day I might binge purge um, or, hey, I did really well. So I deserve to eat this food. It, that's a challenging one because we as human beings who, who do need to eat, right? We, we deserve to eat food um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a moral thing. Um, that goes down to point number three, food as morality. These cheat meals, these kind of camps of good and bad, this righteousness around our choices can very quickly spiral into disordered eating habits. Another myth I hear a lot from patients is a thinner body is a more worthy body. So if I'm thinner and I have a smaller body size, that means that I am more worthy of love. I'm more worthy of attention. And for some people, 
the ultimate goal of having a thinner body is not going to happen physiologically, but they may have all of these other wonderful lifestyle habits in place and be doing the things they need to do to stay healthy internally, right? But their thinner body may not meet our, you know, typical uh, look that we're wanting from diet culture. So your, your thinness and your body size is not your worth. And then the last one being that diets can cure all, you know, the mentality that there are super foods out there and this one food will solve everything. It's just not reality. But we do know that certain foods and dietary patterns, especially those high in whole food intake, whole plant foods, we do know that they have significant benefits on our health, significant benefits for chronic disease risk reduction, um, for cancer risk reduction, right? We use these words risk reduction, not cure. And we talk a lot in the whole foods, plant-based world about, and lifestyle medicine as food is medicine. But remember that medicine can, can have great effects and it can also have side effects. And I find that food is medicine until we let it completely consume us and kind of tend toward these disordered eating habits. Um, and I experienced that firsthand and I see it every single day with patients. So the process of healing that started to occur for me with a whole foods plant-based lifestyle was very multifaceted um, emotionally. I felt less labile. I was on medication um, for my anxiety disorder that came about after stopping binging eating. I was on medication for a long time um, and I'm no longer on medication for that. And I don't think that there's any shame in needing that kind of help for your mental health, for your physical health but I needed to get the other things in place, right? Because I always tell patients, if you're going to take a medicine, you got to be willing to do the other stuff too. Um, and so I feel a more emotionally stable than ever at this point. And I do contribute a lot of that, attribute a lot of that to my diet um, and my dietary pattern. Physically, I feel stronger than ever. Um, I feel more energy. I feel like when I look in the mirror, I am, um, I'm happy for the woman that I am today. And I I'm sad for that little girl for so many years who was not happy when she looked in the mirror, because regardless of how I look right now, um, I'm proud, you know, and I physically feel good. And I, again, I attribute a lot of that to how I eat. My relationship with food now has a new sense of intuition, uh, a new sense of intuition with my body. What I find is interesting with a whole foods plant-based lifestyle. It has these healing factors. Here are some of them that I've tried to pinpoint recently. When you're eating, binge eating, when you're eating a lot of processed foods, when you're eating foods that don't necessarily give you enough fiber or hydration that can help with satiety long-term, you either get major feelings of fullness and to the point where you feel sick, or you get major crashes of hunger later. And when you're eating in this dietary pattern that really focuses heavily on fiber intake and hydration, the feeling of sickness goes away. You can feel satiated, but you don't feel ill. Um, and that was healing to me because it helped me start to get back into my own body, right? And not feel uh, that guilt and shame every time I ate something. Another thing with the whole foods plant-based lifestyle is there's no tracking. Like, you know, carrots don't have an ingredients label. <laughs> so when you're, when you're eating more processed dietary pattern, when you're really obsessive about tracking everything that you eat, um, that can be all consuming, but when you're eating whole foods, when you're eating plants, there's not as much to track, right? You're just filling your body with the stuff that gives it the, the fuel that it needs, that the energy that it needs, the nourishment that it needs. 
cooking. I actually like it, Chef AJ. I, I mean, I applaud you for being, for all the amazing cooking you do. I never liked cooking, um, but, you know, being uh, in this lifestyle now, I actually love it. And I love trying new recipes and I love coming up with new recipes and trying different ingredients and diversity of foods that I never would have eaten before. Um, the self-compassion is forever a work in progress. So I never say that I'm fully healed or fully recovered, um, but it's, it's um, always going to be centered on self-compassion. You know, speaking to yourself, like you would speak to somebody that you love uh, has been a big healing factor for me. And I find when you're connected with the food that you eat, that also is a form of self-compassion and self-love. And then lastly, becoming a parent really has actually helped a lot uh, because it's made me start to listen to myself when I'm messaging around food and when I'm messaging around our bodies and how our bodies, you know, what their function is and the internal health as opposed to how it looks. Um, and that has really helped me introspectively as well. So what's next? Um, how can we move forward with a better relationship with our bodies? How can we move forward also as a whole foods plant-based community to help encourage others to feel the same way we do, you know, without being extreme, without uh, excluding people based on where they are in their life. And, you know, before we started this uh, discussion, Chef AJ and I were talking about the different types of populations that we've seen, you know, addiction population um, versus maybe population that in my patient population, there's less addiction. I do see though a lot of discussion about, you know, problems with body image and problems with how they're feeling about themselves. So how can we kind of stay diverse in our approach to how we're talking to others, how we're helping those in our community feel better about themselves, stay diverse in our approach to eating, right? Lots of colorful whole plant foods. Um, because when we start to restrict certain categories within that dietary pattern, that's when we can start to have issues physiologically. Um, and then assessing our success you know, and our success uh, in life, our success in our bodies by not just a clothing size or a number on the scale, but by other measures. Um, because I have a lot of patients who have said, you know, I'm trying to eat whole foods, plant-based. I'm eating this, you know, we go over all they're eating, we go over their dietary pattern, but the scale isn't budging. And my first question is, okay, but how do you feel? How's your energy? Are you getting down and playing with your grandkids when you weren't before? Are your joints feeling better? Is your exercise more enjoyable? Um, and so how are we assessing our assess and success and measuring it in a lot, a diverse uh, number of ways can help us move toward a better relationship with our bodies more intuitively. So I thank you guys for listening. I would love if there's any Q&A. That's just my journey. Um, and then these are ways that you can get in touch or, or learn more information. Thank you. I, I had no idea you were a cancer survivor. Yes. Well, that, that in itself is just, um, you know, wonderful that you, that you are here to tell that story. Thank you. Thank and you, you were very young. You're like in high school, huh? 18. Yeah. First year of college. Mm -hmm. Yes. Must've been scary. Yes. Very scary. Very scary, but grateful, grateful to be here. Did you always want to be a doctor? Yes. Ever since I was little, like, honestly, my, on my first memory um, hopefully, I think my mom's watching this. She would, she would totally. Oh, what's her name? Maybe I can look for her in the chat. My mom's name is Cindy. And she uh, would definitely confirm that I was, she tells the story of me, my dad's an OBGYN and I would deliver my Raggedy Ann's baby dolls <laughs> for Raggedy Ann's babies. <laughs> That's so, so your dad's a doctor, you married a doctor. I married a doctor. Yes. <laughs> so, so you're, did your husband go plant-based at the same time as you? He did. 
Yes. And you know, what's really amazing is hearing his stories, working with his uh, patients who are operative patients, you know, and those who are definitely dealing with a lot higher cancer incidents and the conversations he has with them around lifestyle medicine and about plant-based lifestyle is it's encouraging to hear a surgeon talking like that. Yeah. When, do you remember anything, any discussion about nutrition at all when you were sick as a patient? No, yeah. no, definitely not. No, our family has always been very health conscious. So sure. From a familial perspective, but never like in the connection of diet and cancer at that time. Yeah. What did you learn about nutrition in medical school? <laughs> that, that's why I, that's what I thought you were going to ask. And yeah. I was like, no to that one too. Yeah. Uh, my nutrition learning was all self-taught and started when I was uh, ending my residency at Mayo and becoming an attending. So it was not really a part of our curriculum in any of my medical training to any substantial degree. And currently I teach at the med school at Pitt and I have a 30 minute slot to talk about, um, I talk about gut health and epigenetics in 30 minutes during their family med clerkship. That is so cool. My brother went to Pitt. Awesome. Yeah, that's where we went to med school. And I'm hoping that the you know curriculum start to really shift more uh, toward a culinary medicine opportunity for these students, because that's huge. Great. Here's a great question from Michelle. And Michelle, check your email. I emailed you today, previous guests on the show. She said, how do you achieve a work-life balance with all that you do? <laughs> yeah, someone just asked me last night, do you ever sleep? So I'd say the biggest key to my ability to um, do this all is my family support. So having familial support helps me to achieve and pursue my passions. But then the, the second biggest thing is my passion. So the fact that I'm doing what I love makes me do it more efficiently and helps me to be more successful at it more quickly because I do what I love. And in the traditional model of healthcare, I wasn't going to be able to do what I love. Right. Um, so I've tried, I've kind of built this world. My, my family and I have built this world around me to be able to, to pursue those passions. Yeah. Where do you see patients? I see patients in my office here in Pittsburgh. I have my own uh, clinic here and then rebel wellness is next door. So I can take them over to that teaching kitchen, um, and take them also over to the fitness space. That is very cool. I love it. Do you, do you cook a lot or yeah, I do cook a ton um, at home. There are some weeks where we have this amazing um, company here in Pittsburgh called Chip and Kale, and they actually will sh ship elsewhere too. plant-based meal delivery service, um, no oil, and everything is measured and chopped and cooked or chopped up, excuse me, frozen. So then I can take it and make it um, with their, with their, um, recipe, which That's I love that. Brilliant. Is, is that only available in, in where you oh, live? They ship elsewhere. Could you tell me their name? I've yes. always looked into this. Yes. Chip and kale. Chip and kale. I love it. They are so fantastic. And that is like a busy family dream because there are some weeks where I've meal prepped and everything's gone great, you know, and there are some weeks where it's like, we're hanging by a thread. <laughs> I could use some help. I so putting that out of the freezer is awesome. Ah, I love it. Chip and kale. It almost sounds like Chippendales, but that is so exactly. cool. I should have them on the show. That sounds like a fabulous idea. Yes. They're awesome. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, Gabriella says, do you do virtual consultations? And if so, where do the person has to live? Where do, where does the person have to live? Yeah. So I don't have a medical licensing outside of the state of Pennsylvania at this point, um, but I can do virtual consultations um, if you get in touch with, 
I just had it on that previous screen, but do you want me to put it in the chat, Chef AJ? Um, it's, like, it's probably in the show notes already. Show <laughs> notes, beautiful. So in the show notes, you can contact me and we can arrange a lifestyle, um, lifestyle medicine consultation. Uh, that would be more of a consultative, not practicing medicine, um, but practicing more of the uh, lifestyle habit and coaching side of things. Nice. So Mary is saying, I'm desperately searching for a plant-based doctor. I live about an hour and a half from Pittsburgh. So she could see you in person or even. Yes, uh, yes or telemed. Mm -hmm. Nice. Uh, do you know Dom Dr. Dominic Brandy from Pittsburgh? He yes. wrote Cure Cancer Naturally, asks Renee. Yes, Renee. Yes, I've met Dr. Brandy. Um, he's a wonderful person and very inspiring. So I would definitely recommend people check out his work. Yeah. Uh, Renee says she loves the name Rebel Wellness. That's yeah, a great name. And Michelle says, what is your favorite kind of work to do out of all your different pursuits? And she's glad that you sleep. I love that question. I love, um, I love teaching fitness. I love teaching fitness. Yeah. That's what I was doing long before becoming a doctor. Um, and I was just joking, or I was just remembering the other day, I used to teach boot camp in med school and get all my classmates to come. Um, so teaching fitness gives me a ton of joy. That's great. Which, which, which type of fitness classes are you teaching? I teach yoga. So a power vinyasa style yoga, and then I teach group fitness. So strength training, cardio, high intensity interval training. I ha I wear very different hats in those two classes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's neat. Let's see. Oh, do you take insurance? Asks Mary. I do not. And that I am operating outside of the insurance-based model, which is awesome because it allows me to spend as much time as I need with patients and see them as often as I need to. You know, what's interesting, especially with lifestyle medicine is a lot of that preventive type work that takes so much time is not really encouraged or possible in the traditional insurance-based model. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, -bum. What is a good way to go plant-based or vegan? Asks one of the live viewers. A good way? Well, I guess a good way would be assessing first your own goals, right? So what are the things that you're wanting from a whole foods plant-based lifestyle or a vegan lifestyle? Um, and then what's your current life like? You know, if, are you someone who has a lot of time and comfort in the kitchen cooking? Um, or are you somebody who's going to maybe need some extra assistance with that? Um, so I always, that's how I always start with patients. Like, let's look at your current life. What are your goals from these changes? And then how can you incorporate these, even if it's small changes or full on 100% changes into your current life? I think what I've noticed a lot with people is, um, if they don't go fully whole foods, plant-based all at once, if they were to just try to incorporate more fiber, even into one meal a day, they start to feel better. And so when you start to feel that it starts to kind of catapult, um, further meals looking a little bit more colorful and plant-based until it might be all of your meals. So I'd say listening to your body and how you feel is a great place to start. Absolutely. Let's see. There's a question. I struggle with fibromyalgia, even with being whole food plant-based. Any suggestions? Mm. That reminds me of another um, person who 
had messaged me online and said, you know, I, everyone said when they went whole foods plant-based, their depression got better. Mine's still bad. You know, it's not necessarily a cure all. And so I would encourage you to continue with your lifestyle. If, um, you know, if that dietary pattern really feel, it feels good to you and know that there are other things that sometimes we need with fibromyalgia, whether it be certain mental health resources, physical therapy, um, our great other modalities like acupuncture, um, massage, if that feels comfortable to you, uh, touch wise. And then there, you know, there are docs out there who can help um, maybe from a supplement perspective or medication perspective that could be beneficial also. But food has to be one of those main pillars. Thank you. Uh, Sherry says, will a plant-based diet help you lose weight? Well, that's been my experience with lots of people. Yes. And, it, and a lot of times that does end up happening. <laughs> yep. All right. You are so amazing, smart, and beautiful. You talking to me, Renee? No, just yeah. kidding. <laughs> um, okay, so Thank Gabriella you. says, do I know any doctors in California that are plant-based? Uh, like a million, because that's why I live here and all my doctors have been plant-based, whether I lived in Los Angeles or now even in Northern California. So maybe be a little bit more specific. What about teaching fitness classes makes it so enjoyable for you? Ah, well, I love to exercise. So when I teach it, you know, it's that feeling of doing something that I, that I think shines through. Um, but I also love to see other people becoming more confident in their bodies. You know, at Rebel, part of the reason why I called it Rebel Wellness is because I tend to rebel against the healthcare industry. And at Rebel Wellness, I tend to rebel against the wellness industry. Like we're going back to simple stuff here. We're going back to moving your body. We're going back to what are you eating? <laughs> we're going back to bringing in, you know, mental health professionals to lead workshops. And so... I find that just that simple uh, reconnection to your body with movement can be so beautiful. And when you see other people experiencing it and you get to be part of it, that like that lights my fire. Nice. Tell us what you eat in a day, if you don't mind, and, what, and how you feed your family. People yeah, so I, I feed my family far better than I feed my myself. Uh, I try to I try to make sure to remember to eat um, throughout the day. Sometimes that's challenging. So our kids are raised plant-based. I'd say our kids eat more um, what we would call vegan than whole foods plant-based sometimes. Um, and we, you know, we work toward that as a goal. So breakfast for us a lot of times is some type of oatmeal or overnight oats um, with an awesome plant-based protein source uh, in there. We love nuts and seeds and chia seeds and flaxseed. Um, we also love to just have something like a savory tofu scramble uh, or get some black beans in there and different sauteed up veggies if we've got the time for it that morning. Lunches are usually going to be some type of big salad or tofu and beans and um, maybe like a hummus and carrots type of deal. So some dips and veggies. And then our dinners are the, usually the most colorful and extensive. I spend, I spend our time on the dinners. So we do, I like to have the things that I go to that I'm really good at um, so that when in doubt, we can pull that recipe out um, and it'll usually be based around some type of big colorful option. I want to get whatever is in the fridge and I want to saute it up and I want to use that in my cooking. I like to do as many colorful meals as possible in a day. So we go for plant diversity in our household. Nice. Do you have any advice, asks Angie, for someone with food addiction transitioning to a plant-based diet? Do you have something for that, Chef AJ, working with 
addiction? Well, you know, I recommend the book, The Pleasure Trap by Dr. Goldhammer and Dr. Lyle, really understanding the beast that you're dealing with. You know, it's really, I think with any kind of addiction, you know, I don't think moderation generally works. So I think it's really about avoiding your personal triggers. You know, what what one person must avoid may not be the same for another person. So, you know, I mean, processed food is basically addictive to a large proportion of people. So, you know, if you're eating whole plant foods, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, they're generally not on very high in the addictive scale. It's all the processing, the sugar, oil, and salt that's added to the food. Yes. And you know, what else is addictive is habits. Habits are addictive. You know, the things that we kind of get ingrained in ourselves and doing, and that was part of what I wanted to get at with this talk, you know, is, is kind of recognizing that within ourselves, um, because you've got to address that even before you've addressed the food, right? Because you have to get to those root causes of what's going on with your mental health to then, you know, have the best chance of success. Yeah. There's a question. Do you have a favorite dessert recipe? Ooh, I love the um, forks over knives. Uh, their brownies recipe is like a fudgy brownie recipe uh, that uses flaxseed, almond butter. There's cocoa powder, um, applesauce. I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head. I love that one. And then we do a lot of chickpea uh, blondies at our house too. So I like to get the chickpeas in there in our desserts, black bean brownies as well. Those would be my top three. Great. Thank you. Uh, let's see what else there is here. Do you know any plant-based doctors in Altoona? Altoona? Oh, neat. Uh, not off the top of my head, but you know what? If you go to um, Physicians Committee um, for Responsible Medicine, they have a plant-based doctor finder. So find a doctor. You can search by location on there. But I don't know any specifically in Altoona. I should ask my husband because sometimes he moonlights out there. Nice. But you know, there's also telemed. So there are, there are a fair number of us plant-based docs more on this side of the state too, that do telemedicine. Yeah. Were you always a, a big fitness buff and into exercise even before you started teaching it? Yes. Ever since I can remember, because both of my parents exercised a ton. So I grew up seeing it and I played sports. Yeah. Well, that, that, you know, I find that when people got that modeled for them earlier, they generally stick with it. That early modeling is huge. We, we look at that a lot in our household. You know, that's what our kids see us doing. We get them involved in it and we normalize that, you know, that it's okay to move your body in a way that feels, you know, good to you. Yeah, absolutely. If you guys have any more questions, put it in the chat. What's, I haven't been to Pittsburgh since, like, gosh, I want to say 2018, the last time I went to Vegetarian Summerfest. Has the, has the plant-based or vegan scene grown? Are there restaurants? Are there meetups? Well, the restaurant scene, we're in a rough spot because a lot of them have closed, um, which is heartbreaking. But Veg Fest is killer and it gets bigger and bigger every year. I've had a table the past three, four years there. Um, it is awesome. You got to check that one out if you come back again. Oh, neat. But the restaurants, oh, we need more. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing we're really grateful for up here in the uh Northern California areas. There's not, they're not just plant-based, but they just do, I mean, you can, tell them to do it, ask them to do SOS free. And most of them will, which is really quite remarkable if you ask me. Yes. And I would encourage people watching too, if they're finding that's like a, a barrier um, with going out to eat and how are they going to eat in this dietary pattern when they go out to eat, a lot of restaurants are willing to adjust too. So like, don't be afraid to ask. 
Yeah, absolutely. If you don't ask, the answers always no. <laughs> Truth. Uh, you, do you see a book in your future? I do. <laughs> I do. I need, I, my family's joking. They're like, can you not open a business this year? Just take a year. So I said, fine, then I'll start writing my book. <laughs> but yes, do you, I do. do you have a title? Um, I, I don't have a title, but I do have a concept around um, flexibility and being flexible with our habits um, in how, because we want to be consistent, but we need to be able to adjust throughout a day. And throughout given life circumstances, I hear so much from patients that, you know, I tried this dietary pattern and then I fell off the wagon because I had a stressful week. Well, then you've got to adjust those habits so that they're more sustainable for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What's your favorite plant-based book that you've read? Fiber Fueled, 180%. Nice. Yes. I recommend it to all my patients. Nice. You know what I love about that one too, is again, I, as a primary care doc, I see people who eat everything, all different types of patterns. And, you know, I support everybody in their journeys. I love fiber fuel because I can give that to any patient and they can, you know, adjust it accordingly to how they like to eat currently, but then they start to get great gut health results and they start to feel a lot better. It's, it's really remarkable. That's wonderful. Uh, Sandra says, help. I'm a comfort eater. 235 pounds, diabetic, fibromyalgia. How can I change in the beginning stages of it? I'm on a limited income. Beans mm. and rice are real beans cheap. Rice. Yeah, beans, yeah. canned beans, canned vegetables, uh, frozen fruit can sometimes be more expensive. Farmer's markets. Um, you know where else I recently went? Would you, Sandra, is that Sandra? Yeah, Sandra. Uh, Sandra, you know where I, I went and visited um, was like the local food banks recently. Some of the stuff that they're putting out, at least here in Pittsburgh, is so wonderful. Um, you know, just kind of exploring some of these different options where you can get some foods that are more affordable, even to just get you started. Yeah. I nice. That journey, Sandra. Uh, Jennifer says, is time-restricted eating, limiting eating to certain times of the day, should that be avoided in those with binge eating disorder due to being too restrictive, or can it actually be helpful to cull a cram circuit? I've seen it go both ways in patients. So I've seen some patients with binge eating disorder find that it really helped them, uh, partially because it helped them start to learn, you know, actual hunger cues and satiety cues. I've also had patients where it really fed into their binge restrict cycles, you know, because you were on that time where you were able to eat and then they just binged the whole time because it was allowed, you know, so it really almost fed into their existing issue. So again, you don't know something until you try, um, but just, you know, not uh, putting it as the be all end all if it doesn't work for you. Yeah. Somebody's asking about your skincare routine, if you have one. Oh, I hope that means they think I have nice skin. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, my skincare routine. So I use uh, just a, like a gentle Vanna cream face wash at night. I do um, a, like a hydrating micellar water after that. Then I use some nights a retinol. Uh, other nights I do a, an acid, like a glycol, glycolic acid um, and an azelaic acid. And then I do a moisturizer over top. And then in the morning, I just wash with the Vanna cream. I put on niacinamide serum and just some SPF lotion. My mom's always on me about SPF and I don't do that oh. enough. 
Yeah. Well, they're saying your skin looks flawless. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, you look very, very young. How old are your kids? Three and a half and five and a half. Wow. <laughs> did you have plant-based pregnancies? I did. Yes. Wow. They were both so different. Oh my goodness. So I always say that my pregnancy with Luca, my first was more vegan than plant-based, I should say. So there was more of the processed, it, things were rough. My second pregnancy with Layla, my precious little Layla, I craved salad the whole time. <laughs> so I was like all whole foods. And it's so funny when I look at the way they eat now, they have similar taste preferences too. And it just goes to show that epigenetics is a real thing. Um, and, but yes, both of my pregnancies were, I'd say vegan pregnancies. Nice. And you didn't get any flack from your pediatrician or obstetrician. No, I wouldn't have allowed the flack. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm fine. <laughs> nice. Nice. Oh, I was going to ask something. What was it? Oh shoot. I lost my train of thought. Well, let's see if there's any more questions and maybe I will remember it again. Oh yeah. I was going to ask you what your kids' favorite foods were. Oh, um, my Layla is all fruit. So strawberries and all the things, berries and avocados. And then Luca, he'll eat a, a good vegan pizza. Luca will do a vegan pizza. He's a little bit more challenging, but he loves tofu. He loves baked tofu. Nice. And broccoli. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's so funny that you mentioned Luca because it's a name that I haven't heard, but I'm hearing it a lot lately for um, Dylan named his son Luca. And I was teaching, I teach interactive uh, cooking classes now because I felt that just doing demonstrations wasn't helping people increase their skills in the kitchen. That would be better if they would cook with me or at least when I'm watching them so that I could really help them in real time. And on Saturday, I'm, you know, we, we, I can see the people on Zoom, you know, they're little tiny squares while it's in gallery mode until I spotlight them. And I see this like child, I mean, well, he's eight years old. So, you know, you don't, I don't expect to see, you know, the, first of all, there's very few men that take the interactive cooking classes. And certainly I've never had a child. And this, it turns out his name is Luca, eight years old, holding up this sign. I love you, Chef AJ. And my heart just melted. And he made the German chocolate cake. And I'm going to be posting pictures on my social media today. But it's just like, you know, people say, well, my kid won't eat healthy. Well, because you don't feed him healthy. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, now that I have an eight-year-old making my German chocolate cake, I'm not going to take any excuses from parents. You know, you're feeding them crap. That's why they don't eat healthy. Feeding kids, though, it's so funny. I have people ask me all the time, oh, it must be so hard to have your kids be plant-based. And I was like, nope, it's just hard to feed kids, period. Like children have their own minds, you know, and you've got to teach them to listen to their own bodies, but what can you make available for them? And what can you mirror as the norm in your home? You know, that's where a lot of it starts. Yeah. Uh, Michelle wants to know, what's your favorite way to recharge yourself? I can answer that. Yoga, Reiki, manicures, yeah. massage, you know? Manicures, massage, and exercise. Yeah. But I'm a people person. It's so funny. Like my husband, he recharges well if he has a little bit of alone time. And I'm like, nah, I need to be with people. <laughs> that that fuels me. Is there anything as as a urological surgeon that he could add to this conversation being on the show? Would, would yeah, you know, some of the conversations we have a lot are around perioperative. So that time around an operation and how if you could optimize yourself before a big surgery, how much that can help your outcomes. And how many times he's had patients. So my husband is a robotic surgeon in particular. So, you know, to do the cases that he does, if you're going through um, an abdomen, that's, that's maybe a larger size abdomen. Sometimes that can be really physically challenging, 
but it also is going to affect with a lot of visceral fat, meaning the fat that's around our organs. I'm not talking about the way your belly looks. I'm talking about the actual fat surrounding organs. If we can get that down by lifestyle habit changes, you can have better outcomes in the long run for healing. You can have better outcomes in the long, uh, long run for like cancer recurrence reduction. Um, so he has a lot of these discussions with patients The the compliance and uptake is not as high, you know, as one would hope, but all you can do is keep trying to, to talk with patients about it. Yeah. That's so interesting, but it does make a lot of sense. Um, hmm. There's a live viewer says that her OBGYN went to school with Dr. Will B and told her about fiber fuel while she was pregnant with her first child. That's great that doctors are recommending these books. Yeah. yeah and Gina is saying um, it would be great to have a doctor address before and after, you know, tips but to heal faster from surgery, to have that on the show. It's not something we've discussed. So that would be good. How do you balance time between online and in-person worlds? It's easy to let ourselves be sucked. I can't, I know, I just, it, you know what? If I had one wish, it would be like social media would just go away, except for YouTube. I love YouTube because I don't think of it as social media. I think of it as like, a, like an educational kind of university thing. Yes. Yeah. Social media. I find as a businesswoman, social media to be extremely beneficial. And then it ends there. <laughs> I don't find it beneficial otherwise. I don't. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And you've got, I find myself like I have to force myself to shut it off, you know, and be present. And it's very, very challenging. Yeah, I don't absolutely. have to, you know, words for it. Well, going back to the beginning of the show where people are saying, which actress did you look like? People are saying that they thought a hybrid of what I said, which was Natalie Portman and Jennifer Connelly. Some people say Jamie Kurtz. Some people are saying Sandra Bullock when you smile. So anyway, they're all beautiful. So, but you look like you, Dr. Natalie Gentile. It was such a fun time spending this hour with you. Yes. Thank you. This was amazing. I appreciate your time, everyone. Oh, my pleasure. And you're going to get two free, you know, we, we're doing something different this year on Chef AJ Live after the third year. We, instead of doing daily guests, which we still have, it's like regular programming. That's why it's so hard for people to get a slot now. But every guest that's on the first time gets two free bottles of California balsamic vinegar and the flavor of their choice. Thank you. You're I welcome. Okay. I, I saw one more question come in. This will be the last question is, do you deal with a lot of patients who have had bariatric surgery? I wouldn't say a lot, but I certainly have many patients who have had bariatric surgery. I have a very small patient panel, just do the, the type of practice I have. Yep. You know, she doesn't take any kind of health insurance. She mentioned Jay, even if you're in the Pittsburgh area, but it's still well worth it to have a plant-based physician on your team, even if it's just one consult or so. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Ask, ask your husband if he wants to come on and talk about that topic. Oh, and, you'll eat you him know. up. You'll love okay. him. I'll ask oh, him. No. <laughs> I can't wait. Thank you so much, Dr. Gentile. Bye. And thank thanks you. all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow when my guest is Dr. Anshul Gupta. This show is at 9 a.m. because it's Wednesday. And he's going to be talking about why thyroid weight gain happens and easy ways to lose weight. A very top, important topic to many people. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.